Luke chapter 1, and we'll be in verse 26 through verse number 31. We'll be bringing a, a Christmas message to you this morning. We'll be looking at uh, the angel, Gabriel, and communicating with Mary about the birth of Christ in uh, Luke chapter 1. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Once you found that, we'll read responsively. I'll begin in verse 26, and then we'll pick up reading together in verse 27, and then continue in that pattern down through verse number 31. The Bible says in verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Together, verse 27, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and shalt call his name Jesus. The title of the sermon this morning is this, The Miraculous Yet, Jesus coming man, God becoming man in the form of Jesus, having a Christ child, God being 100% divine and 100% human in the same being, nothing short of a miracle. There's a lot of gifts that are special this time of the year, but nothing more special than the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for today. We pray that you would take these simple truths... Lord, they're profound in nature, but Lord, help us to understand them on a level that's simple. And Lord, help us to contemplate whether or not we are willing to be of great service to others, whether or not our life is making the impact that it ought to in the world around us for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The question on the floor is, what if? What if Jesus never came? What would the world look like if Jesus had never came? What's the big deal? Toward the end of the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? By the way, it's now out in color, so a little more enjoyable for those that don't like black and white. Um, Toward the end of the movie, George Bailey cries out, I want to live again! I want to live again. Immediately, he's flashed uh, from the previous scene and finds himself standing once more on uh, the snow-covered iron, iron bridge where earlier he had considered suicide, the dark, swirling river below. With help from Angel Second Class Clarence Oddbody, George had just discovered to his horror what life would look like had he never been born. Anyone who's watched the film uh, recalls, uh, can recall with, uh, how that without George Bailey, the quaint town of Bedford Falls is reduced to Pottersville. Ooh, Pottersville. Um, and it is a creepy place. Main Street is suddenly a red light district uh, with loud music and flashing, uh, the flashing of fle- flesh Peddling neon signs 
Life in the city of Pottersville is dark. Why? All because George had never been born. Have you ever stopped to think about what impact you're making in the world around you? What would this world look like had you never been born? Now, what would this world look like had Jesus never been born? It would be a dark place, wouldn't it? wouldn't be one city that would be dark. It would be a whole planet. I propose that one person can make an enormous difference in the lives of countless others. This Christmas season, let's keep Christ at the forefront. Let's keep Christ in Christmas. I'd like for us to look at Luke 1. We'll be in verse 26, going down through verse number 38. And let's consider four observations as we seek to understand the story of the miraculous gift given to mankind. All right, observation number one. Notice this, a startling appearance. A startling appearance. Look down at Luke chapter 1 and look with me at verse number 26. The Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored of the Lord, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. A startling appearance. I can't imagine what Mary must have thought alone in a house and an angel just appears in the room where she is, uh, where she was rather. Letter A, notice, an appointed time, an appointed time. Look back at verse number 26. It says there, and in the sixth month, the sixth month. Uh, now, what is this uh, uh, in reference of, this sixth month? This sixth month is in reference to the pregnancy of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And so this would have been a relative, and the very fact that Elizabeth was pregnant was also a miracle because in her old age, uh, probably post-menopause, she's expecting as well. Now, there was no forewarning for Mary. The angel just appeared at the set time the Lord had issued. This was, this, was, this was an appointed time. This was a time that was on the Lord's calendar. And when it was time, it just happened. In fact, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, uh, that we might receive the adoption of sons. This was an appointed time. Yes, it startled Mary. Yes, it came out of left field seemingly for Mary. But for God, it was going exactly according to plan. Nothing catches God off guard. The fullness of time, the fullness of time referenced in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, uh, uh, that comes from Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 24 through 27, where we find the 70 weeks prophecy. And that prophecy gave an exact year that the Messiah would be cut off or crucified. And so the announcement of the birth of Christ fit right into God's calendar, a startling appearance 
We notice letter A, an appointed time. Notice letter B, an angelic messenger. Angelic messenger. Now, the, the name Gabriel. Gabriel was a very special angel. His name comes from the Hebrew Gabriel, which means warrior of God or man of God. Warrior of God or man of God. The family that joined last week, sitting down here, the Ordonez family, they named their son Gabriel. And if you've ever seen him, uh, he is fierce. He's a warrior. He's a little three-year-old warrior. He's a tough kid. Uh, 550 years prior, Gabriel had appeared to Daniel and had also appeared uh, just a few verses earlier in this passage to Zechariah by the altar of incense in the temple and announced the birth of John the Baptist. Now, this is an interesting little factoid about Gabriel, but four times in Scripture he appears uh, to people, and all four times his message to humanity involves the coming Messiah. All four times that appearance involves the coming Messiah. So we see uh, the uh, a startling appearance and appointed time and angelic messenger. Notice letter C, the attentive recipient, the attentive recipient. Now, uh, Mary was a pure woman. She was a pure woman. Luke chapter 1, verse 27 uh, and verse 34 both tell us that Mary was a virgin. The word virgin in Greek is the word uh, parthenos, parthenos, and it means a virgin, a woman who has never had sexual relations with a man. Uh, this word means a chaste woman, virgin, and it cannot mean anything but that. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and turn over to Matthew chapter 1 and uh, put a marker in both places, Luke 1 and Matthew chapter 1. A good name is rather to be chosen uh, than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. In order to have a good name, Mary had to live a righteous life. And to that, she had done. She had behaved herself. She had kept her, her purity intact as she was betrothed to Joseph. Look at verse number 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, Matthew 1.18, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, notice this next phrase, before they came together. So here they're in love, they're engaged, but they've not sexually been together. Uh, she, Mary, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. The birth of God's son required a miracle. He could not be born through the natural process as other men are. Why? Because if Jesus had been the result of a union, physical union between a man and a woman, he would have been a sinner like everyone else who's brought about through the physical union of a man and woman. No, Jesus was placed in the womb by the Holy Spirit of God into the womb of a woman who was a virgin. Now, Matthew 1.18 tells us that uh, Mary was espoused to Joseph, espoused to Joseph. The betrothal period began with a contract of marriage. To all the young people in here today that are unmarried, um, can you imagine if your parents picked your spouse for you? Would you like that? They just, I, I, you know what? I, I think you'd work well with uh, that person over there. And you think, but he's ugly. And she's not real pretty. <laughs> and um, nope, yeah, you're going to marry him. And uh, the, uh, the, the contract 
what, what in the world? A contract being signed. Uh, you know, like uh, two businessmen sit down and they sign a contract. Uh, this was a, a marriage, was a contract that was not to be broken. And after the papers were signed, the, the, um, the husband and wife uh, were, or the, 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 rather the betrothed couple, uh, were, were under all the obligations that a married couple would be under, all of the vows and commitments and, and, and faithfulness that a married couple would be under, except they were not physically together. Instead, the woman went with her parents and stayed and prepared herself for marriage, and the husband went off and built a house or had a house built, oversaw that process as he prepared to be able to take care of and physically provide for his bride. Now watch this. This is a really neat thing. Once everything was ready, um, the the husband or the, the, the groom would go to his parents' house, he'd get his bridal party together, and then he would travel to the home where the bride was. He would go in and shake hands with the father, and then he would take the bride away to the place that he had prepared. You know in heaven right now, Jesus is up there. He is our groom, and he is preparing heaven for the bride. And once the last mansion is prepared, once the last dwelling is ready, he will leave the portals of heaven. He will come down to earth where his bride is, and he will get us, and he will take us to, to be in heaven forever with him. So Joseph and Mary were not together physically. They were apart. Mary was uh, uh, living with her parents or in her parents' house, and Joseph was away getting things uh, ready. Mary was a pure woman. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 uh, prophesied about Mary's purity. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mary was a pure woman, but Mary was also a prepared woman. The Bible tells us in verse 27 of Luke 1 that she was of the house of David. Not only was Joseph of David's lineage, giving Jesus legal, uh, a legal tie back uh, uh, to David's throne, Mary also was a descendant of David's lineage through David's son Nathan. And so Mary was a prepared woman. But Mary was also a preferred woman. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse number 28. Luke chapter 1 verse 28. The Bible says, and the angel came in unto her and said, hail, notice this next phrase, thou that art highly favored, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. She was highly favored. Another way to say that is she was greatly graced, greatly graced. The phrase highly Favored comes from the word charitu, which means to pursue with grace, compass with favor, to honor with blessings. Mary was favored because God's grace was upon her. She was favored because the Lord is with thee. You understand that there were things uh, that were out of Mary's control. She had no control over who her parents were or what her lineage was. Uh, that was left up to chance, if you will, left up uh, to fate. But what was under her control was her relationship with the Lord. And God looked down from heaven and saw a woman who was of the lineage of David, saw a woman who loved God, saw a woman who was faithful to walk with God. And he said, that woman is pure. That woman is prepared. That woman I prefer. That is the woman that I'm going to choose. She was blessed 
among women, the Bible tells us in verse number 28. The word blessed comes from the Greek word eulogio, eulogio, which is where we get our English word eulogy, which means to praise or celebrate with praises. Mary was a preferred woman. One week a Sunday school teacher had just finished uh, telling her class the Christmas story. After telling uh, the class the story, the teacher asked, who do you think the most important woman in the Bible was? And she has set it up for the answer to be Mary. There's a little boy in class who was being fidgety and moving around in his seat and not really listening very well. And he shot his hand up real quick and and no one else was really raising their hand. And so after a moment of looking for another hand, she called on the little boy and he said, it was Eve. And she got a big grin on her face and she said, well, what makes you think it was Eve? And the little boy spoke up and said, well, it had to be Eve. They've named two days of the year after her, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Mary was a preferred woman and maybe the most important woman in the Bible. A startling appearance. I can't imagine what it was like being Mary. I don't know what she was doing. Uh, um, maybe uh, sweeping a floor or um, doing laundry or maybe she was sitting on the couch. Uh, uh, what do you call that when you got the needles out and uh, knitting, crocheting? Um, maybe, maybe she was painting a canvas. I don't know what she was doing. She, she, there she is in her home. I picture her sitting on a couch, eating laced potato chips and watching soap operas. No, that's not what she was doing. Uh, there she was, um, and, and all of a sudden, boom, the angel just appears across the room from her, and I, I wonder if she did a quick look over to the door and saw that it was still locked, and then she's thinking, who are you and how did you get in my house? Boy, that must have been a startling appearance, but it was right on God's calendar, and uh, it uh, lined up right. Uh, I heard someone say one time, preparation plus opportunity equals success. And if you're not prepared, opportunity is just going to pass you right by. But if you're prepared, you get to take your pick from the various opportunities. Boy, Mary was prepared. Mary was preferred, and when the opportunity came along, uh, she was ready for it. Number two, notice a spectacular announcement, a spectacular announcement. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse number 30 with me. The Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall uh, give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Notice letter A, the coming of a child. The coming of a child. Verse number 30 says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. This was a comforting announcement. A comforting announcement. Now, again, she's startled. This angelic being shows up in her home. Many people said that Hebrew culture or Israeli culture was that if you had uh, interaction with an angel, you were at risk of death. And so she could have been afraid very much for her life. So the very first two words out of the angel's mouth, Gabriel's mouth was, Fear not. Fear not. She was told not to be afraid. God's word brings us 
great comfort. You know, all of us have our ways of seeking out comfort. How many of you here, when you're really having a bad day, you have that go-to food item that can cheer you up? You know what I'm talking about, that go-to food item. Maybe it's a donut shop. All right, there's a story about a pastor who wanted to uh, go on a diet, kind of like your pastor needs to do, but um, needed to go on a diet. And uh, so he got up in church on Sunday and he said, I'm keeping myself accountable to all of you here. I'm beginning a diet uh, 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 today. And the week to come was very stressful on this pastor. And his go-to comfort food was donuts. And so he's um, out making a visit and he sees a donut shop, his favorite donut shop. And so he makes his way into the parking lot and he prays as he makes his way in the parking lot. He says, Lord, if you don't want me to eat a donut, then fill up every, make sure every spot is full so I have nowhere to park. And so um, a little bit later, a church member saw him back at the church and he was putting down a donut. And the church member said, Pastor, I thought you said you were going on a diet. He said, well, I prayed that God would fill the parking lot if he didn't want me to have a donut. And my eighth time around the parking lot, a spot opened up. You know, um, we all have that thing that comforts us, but nothing can quite comfort us like the Word of God. Gabriel was there in the presence of Mary, speaking God's words. And he said, fear not. We, it was directly, the Word of God was directly spoken to Mary, not to fear Gabriel's appearance. It's a great comfort to know that God is in control and has provided a plan for men to not have a fear for the unknown future. A fear for the unknown present and a fear for the unknowns after death. 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is... So are we in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Uh, what is the greatest gift? What is the greatest symbol of love? Who is love? God is love. And love was manifested to us through the miraculous gift of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see letter A, the coming of the child, of a child. Notice letter B, the coronation of a king. The coronation of a king. This was not to be just any baby. This baby was to be a king. Look back at Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Notice halfway through the verse, the verse says, And bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house. Let's break these verses down a little bit. Notice below the coronation of a king. Notice his name. Look back at verse 31b. It says, And bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. What a beautiful name, isn't it? What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. His name means Jehovah or Yahweh is salvation. A television interviewer was walking the streets of Tokyo at Christmas time. Uh, much as in America, uh, Christmas shopping is a big commercial success in Japan. The interviewer stopped one young woman on the sidewalk, and if you know much about Japan, it's a very secular country, and asked this woman, what is the meaning of Christmas? Laughing, uh, she responded, I, I'm not sure, I don't know. 
She said, is it the day that Jesus died? You know, uh, for many people who don't celebrate Christ in Christmas, that answer is actually sort of accurate. It is the day that Jesus has been replaced. I just want to say this morning, personally, I love the name of Jesus. I love the name of Jesus. I think Billy Sunday summed it up well. He said there are 256 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ. He went on to say, I suppose this was because he was infinitely beyond all that any one name could express. You know, the name of Jesus, his name was an easy name. Um, you know, in First Chronicles, there is a name named, uh, there's a man named Tilgath Pilneser. Tilgath Pilneser. And then in Isaiah, there's a man named Meher Shalahashbaz. Anybody here getting ready to have a baby? I got a baby name for you. Meher Shalahashbaz. Uh, I can't imagine uh, the ridicule at school a child would get for Meher Shalahashbaz. But Jesus' name is an easy name, and not only that, it's an esteemed name. Why is Jesus' name esteemed? Because of his work. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue uh, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue uh, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. His name is an esteemed name. His name is an enduring name. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 through Revelation 22 verse 21. Jesus is the enduring name throughout the Bible. His name is also an eternal name. Jesus would say about himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Boy, history books come and go and names come and go. But the name of Jesus well, he just outlasts them all. His name is an eternal name. His name is an exclusive name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We posed the question at the beginning of the message, what would the world be like without the birth of Jesus? I can tell you one thing, that's for certain, not a single one of us would be on our way to heaven. Jesus came down to earth, that miraculous gift, born through the womb of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. And through His suffering, I am free. Aren't you glad that that Jesus, that Christ child, was not just born, but He lived out His life to the will of the Father and suffered in our place. It's an exclusive name. Let me just say this here to those of you listening online, those of you in the room uh, uh, listening in. You, you cannot get to heaven unless you humble your heart and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. You understand this, that the only people that God sends to hell are those who reject Christ. You say, well, I haven't rejected Christ. By not accepting Christ, by default, you reject Christ. 
You say, well, hell is an awful place. How could? Why would God send someone to a place so horrible? No one goes to hell for murder. No one goes to jail for hurting, or rather prison. No one goes to, sorry, no one goes to hell for murder. No one goes to hell for hurting a child. No one goes to hell for anything other than rejecting the Christ who was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. It is Jesus who died for us. It is an exclusive name. We love that idea of being exclusive. You ever go to an airport and fly, they have that first class where you get to go on first and you get the wider seat. Maybe you sit in the executive, exclusive executive club while you're waiting for your flight and you have credit cards that have preferred customers and preferred seating and preferred this and preferred that. Let me tell you how to be preferred in God's kingdom. You must believe in the name of Jesus as your way to heaven. We see that his name is exclusive, but not only his name, we see his position. His position. Look back at Luke chapter 1 and look at verse number 32. It says there, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The word great is translated from the Greek word megos. Megos, meaning predicated of rank as belonging to persons eminent for ability, virtue, authority, power. Uh, Listen, He is above all things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, 17 and 18, the Bible says, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Take your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 4. The Bible tells us that, that Gabriel sat there with Mary and he told her, you're going to have a child and you're going to be, uh, he, he's going to be born through your virgin womb and uh, you're going to give birth to this child and his name will be great. But not only his name, he will have a lofty position. He shall be called the son of of the highest, the son of the highest. Look at verse number four, Hebrews chapter one. The Bible says, being made so much better than the angels, speaking of Jesus, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he said God at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, um, uh, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But under the sun he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. We see here his name. We see his position. Notice also his rule, his rule. Go back to Luke chapter 1 and look at the end of verse 32, end of verse 33. The Bible says, and the Lord God shall give unto him, Jesus, the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. 
as one from the line of David, Jesus will fulfill the promises made to David. You may remember King David from the Old Testament. God told King David, he said, because you were a man after my own heart, I'm going to set up your throne forever. And one day, one day the Messiah will sit on your throne and be of the lineage of David. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, the Bible reads, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for thy name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Of his kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus, there shall be no end. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of our Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Boy, we see the, the startling announcement. We see, or rather, the, the startling appearance. We see the spectacular announcement. Can you put yourself there? Can you put yourself in that little cottage where Mary was sitting and the angel appearing and first getting over the, the fear of having a stranger just appear in your living room and then the announcement, the spectacular announcement, hey Mary, you know all the prophecies about the coming Messiah. You know, in Isaiah, the Bible says he'll be born of a virgin. Hey Mary, that virgin is you, Mary. Hey, you're going to give birth to a son, Mary, and that child will be the son of the Most High God, he shall be great. Number three, point number three, notice a supernatural act. A supernatural act. Look at verse number 34 of Luke 1. The Bible says, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man, seeing that I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of god and behold thy cousin elizabeth shall uh, she have also conceived a son in her whole, in her old age and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren elizabeth had a reputation she was called barren verse 37 for with god nothing shall be impossible i love that verse more about that in just a moment. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Letter A, notice, a supernatural conception. A supernatural conception. Back in verse 34, the Bible says, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, Mary was not questioning whether or not God could. She was not doubting God. She was more curious of how is this going to work? I, I'm, I'm, I'm betrothed. I'm engaged. I, I, I have a fiancé. I'm going to be getting married, but I'm not... Uh, I, I've not been with a man. <laughs> how, how are you going to make this work, God? The, uh, the, we see here that uh, the, the angel would go on to describe the miracle. We see the miracle described. Look at verse 35. And the angel, angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing 
which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Not after the manner of men, but uh, God's Spirit activates and, and creates by the Word of God. By the Word of God. I had you put a marker in Matthew 1. Turn back over there if you would. We see here, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Uh, how did Mary become pregnant? There was nothing weird or strange uh, that happened uh, per se. Uh, the Holy Spirit put the baby Jesus in her womb, and he uh, 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 filled Mary uh, with his presence and power and placed the Christ child as a, a, a small seedling in her womb. There he was, and he would go through the gestation process just like uh, any mother would have a baby, except there was no father. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 20. But while he, Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, uh, uh, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It was a supernatural conception. Uh, one person put it this way. They said, only as the Holy Spirit takes the place of the human father in Jesus' conception, can it be true that the one conceived is both fully God and fully man? Christ must be both God and man to atone for sin. But for, uh, uh, but for this to occur, he must be conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a human virgin. No one else in the history of the world is conceived by the Spirit and born of a virgin mother. Therefore, Jesus alone qualifies to be Savior. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. That word power is translated from the word dunamis, dunamis, which means strength, power, or ability. It's the same word we get our word dynamite from. By God's power, this miracle would take place. The event was not a normal human process, but a miraculous process which produced a child without a human father. God himself would superintend this process. We see the miracle, the miracle described, but also the miracle determined. How was it determined? It was determined by the omnipotent power of God. Look at verse number 37 of Luke 1. The Bible says there, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Okay. Let me speak to you where you're living here for just a moment. Have you ever felt like you had a problem in your life too big for God to handle? Let's be honest this morning. How many of you have ever felt like, oh boy, this one's a doozy. I don't think that God can handle this one. I just don't see a way. You ever felt that way? Maybe you weren't even willing to say it out loud. But deep in your heart, you thought it. Now, let me just say this. God had prophesied in the Old Testament that a virgin would conceive. Right, And so this was going to happen at some point. But watch this. If God can take a virgin woman and make her pregnant, then your problem is small potatoes to God. 
whatever problem you're going through in your life, if God wants to step up and change your circumstances, no matter what they are, He can do it. It's a question of your faith. You see, Jesus said that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can order a mountain to be cast into the depths of the sea. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, the Bible says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Aren't you glad you serve a God of the impossible? No matter how difficult it is. No matter how, how, how hard it is. You know, i found in my life, and maybe it's different for you. I, I know each person's uh, different and, and comes with a different paradigm or perspective. But i found in my life that the, the harshest, hardest struggles that I have are relational in nature. Those are the hardest ones to get through. And, and I know that health problems are, are hard. And, and maybe for me, that would be a close second. Uh, having to go through a really tough uh, spell with my health or a, 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 a debilitating illness that would, would be hard or watching a loved one go through that. But relational difficulties, boy, for me, that one's at the top because when you're going through the, the, the drudgery of, of relational hardship and hurt, boy, it, it can feel as though the whole world just is awful. Did you, did you hear about the man who woke up one morning and he said to his wife, he said, man, it stinks in here. And she said, honey, I don't smell anything. And he sat down to have his breakfast, and uh, he's eating his sandwich. She said, you know, uh, th- this egg sandwich, it, it just stinks. Uh, did you use rotten eggs? And he got in the car and on his way to work. He said, boy, this air outside, it, it just smells awful. I, man, the, the pollution in this planet's awful. He got to work, and he sat down in his cubicle, and he thought, boy, the cleaning people, they just need to do a better job of taking out the trash around here. People put putrid things in their trash, and the trash stinks, and this office stinks, and my bedroom stinks, and my... Uh, my breakfast stunk and my car stunk. And his boss walked up to him and said, I think you have some Limburger cheese stuck there in your goatee. It wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, the world that stunk. It was him that stunk. When you have relational problems in your life, it can feel that you've got Limburger cheese stuck in your, well, under your lip. You ladies don't have goatees. At least I hope not. Amen. It can feel that way. It can just feel like the whole world's off and everything's wrong and nothing works right. And well, God, where are you while I'm going through this hardship? God, where are you uh, when I'm going through this abuse and this struggle? And the answer is that with God, nothing shall be impossible. A supernatural conception, letter B, we see a surrendered servant. A surrendered servant. I'll finish with this. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse number 38. The Bible says, and Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I've tried to put myself in Mary's shoes many, the many, many times that I've studied this passage. Maybe better put, I've tried to put myself in Mary's sandals. They didn't wear shoes back then. All right, but Mary's sandals. And, and see... You're sitting in a, in a home probably by yourself, definitely in a room by yourself, and this big celestial being appears and startles you. And once you get past the, okay, this is an angel come from God, and I've heard of this kind of thing, but I can't believe it's actually happening to me, then you listen to what he has to say, and what he has to say is, Mary, 
you are highly favored of the Lord, God has chosen you to bear the Messiah, the Christ child. You know, many people in that situation would have shrank or shrunk, whichever the proper conjugation of the verb is. Which is it, Tom? Okay, you don't know. Shrunk. We'll go with shrunk. Okay. Someone in the watching online can correct me if I got it wrong there. Um, you do anyway. Amen. Um, many people would have withered away from the opportunity and thought, me? i got to raise the Christ child? Oh, no, not me, but not Mary. She said this. Look back there. Look back there at verse number 38. She said, she said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She said, My life, Lord, is yours. You do whatever you want to with it. That total surrender. Now listen here. For every single person that's walking planet Earth, especially every single person who's saved, God has a specific plan for your life to promote the kingdom of God. Now, Mary's was on a whole other level. She brought Jesus into the world. But what if Mary had not been willing to do it? What if Mary had said, oh, no, not me. I can't handle that. One person was quoted saying this. He said, God started the whole adventure of Christianity in Nazareth. Nazareth? Yes, Nazareth. Why Nazareth? Because there he found a woman who was completely yielded to his purpose for her life. Great works of God rarely start in big places. Rather, they start in small places. In some person with a big commitment. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. We find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says there, saying, Father, if thou be willing, Jesus speaking here, remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God's not looking for someone who's extra talented. God's not looking for someone who's extra capable. God's looking for someone who's extra surrendered. William Barclay once said, the world's most popular prayer is, God, thy will be changed. But the greatest prayer is, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Even if it hurts. Even if it means something I don't want. Thy will be done. Christian, God wants to use you this Christmas season to advance the cause of Christ. But He cannot use you if you're not willing. You know, the truth is, if God had come to Mary, or Gabriel had come to Mary, rather, and Mary said, oh, no, 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 not me, find someone else. Oh, I, I, I couldn't, I can't, there's, there's no way, I'm not up for the task, I'm not qualified, I, 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 I just don't think I could do it. You know what, God would have found another woman born through the lineage of David, who is a virgin, who is preferred. You know who would have missed out on the blessing? Mary. Mary. Watch this. God didn't need Mary. Mary needed God. 
Hey, listen up, Christian. God doesn't need me and you. He can get His will done without us. We need God. We need God. And we need to be surrendered to God. Totally surrendered to His will. Andrew Murray, the famous author, said this. He said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to Him. Will you hand Him the keys to the car of your life and let Him take you where He wants to take you? All of this happened because Mary was surrendered. Mary was surrendered. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Boy, we... We praise God for this miraculous gift. What if Jesus had never come? Boy, my life would be a whole lot different. I think your life would be a whole lot different. Are you surrendered to making an impact in the lives of others? Some of you may be here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. You know, the gift offered to mankind, the birth of Christ, is a wonderful gift. But the gift that's available to you personally is the gift of eternal life. You see, you need to understand this morning, Jesus was not just born to give us a day to exchange presents and hang up stockings and Christmas lights and decorate trees. Have a day off of work sing nice carols. That's not what Jesus came for. If that's your idea of Christmas, my friend, you've got it all wrong. You see, Jesus came to earth because we needed a Savior. And after 33 years, they nailed Him to a cross. Now listen, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, He purchased and obtained a different gift. It's called eternal life. A home in heaven. And he offers it freely to every human being alive. You see, you must turn to him and accept him. Put your faith in him for salvation. And if you've not done that, will you open up your heart, extend a hand of faith, and by prayer ask him to give you that gift of eternal life? Would you do that right now where you are? You can pray a prayer very similar to this. In your heart, you can say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I've broken your laws. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and suffering in my place. Jesus, I receive your gift of eternal life. Come in and save me. Give me that gift. My faith is in you and you alone. 